Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. How do you feel in that situation where you spot someone making their way for you and in your mind you think, oh heck, I don't want to have this interaction. It, it, can, it can play out lots of ways, can't it? Someone maybe that you've argued with and you don't want to carry on that argument or you don't want to swallow your pride and say sorry or to hear them swallowing their pride and saying sorry. It's someone who you realize You've forgotten something important. Their birthday was last week, and you forgot to send them a present. And you see them come in, and you just think, I do not want to have to deal with that situation. What do you do? How do you feel? If we're being honest, we can imagine these scenarios where we see someone, and something inside us says, turn the other way, quickly, cross the street. Hands up, honestly. No, no, sorry. Not hands up. Hands up quietly on the inside. I'll be the only one to actually put my hand up. Hands up, honestly, who has ever entered a shop, seen someone at the other end of the aisle and thought, yeah, I can probably come back later, and has gone the other way. Thanks, Jim. Um, But I did spot you, and I wondered if it's because you'd seen me. So thanks for that. That's rude. We know what that's like, don't we? of um, having that kind of, I don't know, feeling in our stomach or in our hearts or in our minds of just thinking, I don't want to deal with this person now. I want to be as far away as I can. Now, speaking of far away, I want to kick someone out of church this morning. John Perry, can you stand up? Yeah, yes, John Perry. There's only one John Perry. There's only one John Perry. Um, Yeah, if you could just leave. Just... Anywhere, <laughs> Panto, uh, anywhere that's not basically in here with us, okay? I don't want you in. And you're not allowed to come back in until I tell you you can. Okay. There we are. That's fine. He just gives me that feeling in my stomach. I can't stand it. I've got to work with him all week. I'm joking, of course. Um. The scenario I explained of someone coming from a distance a little bit too quickly, someone who we might not want to spend time with, get near or touch, is exactly the scenario that Jesus encountered at the start of Mark's gospel. If you've got a Bible, by all means, open it up to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42. I'm going to read them out. They'll be up on the screen as well for the most part. Um, And that's the story we're going to be dealing with today. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, he reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, the man went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news, and as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town, openly stay there, but stayed outside in lonely places. 
And yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Do you see what's going on there in that story? If you were to try and summarize that to people, what would you say? It's Jesus meeting someone who most people don't want to deal with. Most people don't want to be near. It's Jesus, maybe in your mind, swallowing the natural uh, revulsion that many of us would feel being encountered with this person who is diseased, um, infectious in our minds. I wonder if you picture in that scenario a little bit like Jesus at home and someone calls him from the other room um, and says, oh, there's a spider in the sink. Can you deal with it, please? So he goes in, doesn't like the idea of dealing with spiders. No, you can, sorry, mate, actually just stay out until I come and tell you that you're allowed back in, okay? Um, um, so Jesus goes, and he doesn't like touching a spider himself. Hairy, too many legs, too many eyes. But he closes his eyes, he holds his breath, and just kind of like, Ugh, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, deals with it. I jumped into the car this morning to come to church, and this moth appeared out of nowhere on my dashboard. And I was just like, oh, I don't want that flying into my face when I'm driving. I don't really want to touch it, but I grab it, I chuck it out the window. I think sometimes maybe that is the picture that we get of this story. That Jesus is there and he knows that he should do something. He doesn't like the idea of laying his hand on this man, of touching this man with his disease, but he has the power to do it. So he closes his eyes and he kind of just, grit and determination and does it and deals with it. And that's it. Hold your breath, close your eyes, everything will be okay. Do you see this story as a story of a sick person coming to Jesus and Jesus sorting out their sickness. I mean, it is that story, isn't it? It says that there's a man with leprosy comes to him, and in the end, it says that the leprosy leaves him, and he was cleaned, he was cleansed. So it is that. But I want us this morning to see that it's that and so much more. So much more. Um, I want us, first of all, to ask the question, what is leprosy? And I don't want to get into, I searched this on Wikipedia, and this is the name of the bacteria, and this is how it affects the nervous system. I mean, when we read in Mark's gospel about a person suffering with leprosy, what on earth are we supposed to think? Are we supposed to just think, oh, that person has a disease, and if I get too close, then I'll catch their disease? Or does it signify something more? Probably in your Bible. Let me just check the Bible I've got here. There's a footnote that will give you the handy clarification that when they say leprosy, it's really a word that signifies lots and lots of different skin diseases, skin conditions. Um, uh, John, stay out. (laughs) This is is awkward. Uh, if you're going to at least sneak in, sneak in. Don't just come exactly where, right, he's gone. Okay, that's fine. Um, and, and that's helpful. Oh, okay, so it's not the specific disease nowadays necessarily that we call leprosy. It's a whole host of skin diseases and skin problems. And back in the day, they didn't have the classification system. So it's just speaking about someone who's got some sort of contagious disease, what have you, what have you, what have you. I, 
Look, if you want to know specifically what leprosy is, by all means, go on to Google. No, don't Google it. You'll probably think that you have it. Um, but you can do your own research. What's going on when we find out in Mark about this person with leprosy um, being outside is, is, well, well, we need to look at Leviticus. And I know that really thrills some people to the heart. We need to look at Leviticus because what leprosy represents isn't just a specific illness or a group of specific illnesses, but it represents something that has been dealt with by God and his people, okay? Um, I'm going to read from Leviticus 13. There's no need to to, to flick there, but uh, can I give you a recommendation? If you have a young boy maybe in your family, This is a chapter that's worth reading. It's full of boils and pimples and checking the color of the hair that comes from it. It's the sort of thing that a young boy will love. Anyway, I'm just going to read two verses which kind of speak not about what the disease is, but the effect and the impact that it has. Anyone with such a defiling disease, this is the description, this person who's come and they've been found to have one of a number of skin diseases, must wear torn clothes, keep their hair unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. As long as they have the disease, they must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So this is my answer, I guess, to what is leprosy. Leprosy is something in this context which means that a person is outside the camp. But then we've got to ask the question, well, what does that mean? That Jesus comes along and he meets someone who is supposed to be outside the camp. Does it just mean that this is a guy who lives on the outskirts of town? This is a guy who's been relegated to the uh, accommodation, the worst housing that's that's furthest away from the amenities. Does it just mean that? No, it means so much more. Outside the camp signifies so many things back in the Levitical times, back in the times when the people lived in a camp, okay? Let me ask you a couple of questions, see if anybody knows the answers to these. When the people were wandering the wilderness on the way to the promised land, when this description of finding the disease and putting someone outside was given, what was at the center of the camp? Does anybody know? The tabernacle, okay? So you might know that because we went through Exodus a couple of years ago uh, and Joshua. We went through Hebrews this time last year when we were speaking about the tabernacle. I think it was around about 12 months ago that John, who has been sent out, um, put a picture up on the screen of the tabernacle, uh, drawing the tabernacle and all the tents around it. That was the camp, and right at the heart of it was the tabernacle. Now, next question. What was in the tabernacle? Anybody? Why does it matter that the tabernacle was at the middle of the camp, the center of the camp? There were, there, there were lamps, there was furniture, there were various things in there. Young man, did you have an answer? Yes? 
No, John Perry has been cast far, far out. As far out as he can be. Nobody knows what's in the tabernacle. Why it was important that the tabernacle was in the camp. You're thinking way too much detail, furniture, bits and bobs. That's clutter. Come on, free yourselves. Uh, it's, uh, too many voices now. You're too keen. What was it of you? God's presence. Myrion, Diochenvaur, at last. Sense, yes. Did you say that already, Bryony? Is where you meet. Well, next question. Why does it matter that the presence of God is there? Or what did they do there? They made sacrifices. They worshipped. They had union with God. From that union and that relationship that existed flowed blessing. The camp had quail and manna, food to eat, to sustain them. Okay? So the camp and the tabernacle and the presence and the relationship and the blessings, they're all really important things. They signify life, spiritual life, and literally physical life. They needed God with them, providing for them in the wilderness. So, when someone is cast out of the camp because of their skin disease, and they live outside the camp, what are they? They're dead. They don't have the relationship socially with people, obviously, but they certainly don't have access to that life-giving relationship with God anymore. They're cut off even further from the presence of God and the sacrifices that will make them fit to um, enjoy God and to receive His blessings. They're far, far away, and spiritually and physically, they're dead. That's why I've kicked John out this morning as a bit of a picture that in here today, we are coming and we're listening, I hope, to God's Word being proclaimed. We're coming, we're looking to see what life we can glean from Jesus, who He is and what He has done. Many of us are anticipating that there will be biscuits and cake served on that very hatch. And where is John this morning? He's cut out, isn't he? He's separated. He's not in the camp where all that is going on. He's isolated. He's on his own. He's dead. For those of you listening online, John from Perry, I presume, is still very much alive and well. But we don't know because he's through the doors and he hasn't actually tried to come back in for a while. So that's interesting as well, isn't it? Um, but you see, that's the point that I'm trying to make by excluding John this morning. That outside the camp, you miss out on all of those. Those are taken away from you. Those are robbed from you. So we see, actually, that it's not just leprosy that this individual is suffering with. They've actually got a far, far greater problem back in Mark chapter 1. It's not just a hygiene issue, but they're removed from society, they're removed from God, and for anybody to associate themselves with that person is putting themselves at risk of losing those things as well. Does that make sense? Like if any of you kind souls took pity on John this morning and went out there to see him, do you know what I'd say to you? Well, you can stay out there too. No cake for you. You've made your bed, lie in it. Okay, you're out there, and you're going to miss the sermon. You're going to miss what we have got to share. So the, the, the problem is, it's a far greater problem. It's not just a man coming and asking the question, will you fix my skin? Will you make me physically well again? 
He knows that Jesus can fix his skin. I mean, it's interesting the way that he phrases it, isn't it? I know that you can. My question is, will you? Like, is that something that you would be willing to do? To come to me, to associate with me, and not just remove the bacteria which are affecting my nervous system, but restore to me, like, life. Everything that comes from being part of the people of God. It's like social acceptance, physical well-being, and spiritual life. Are you willing to do those things? Now, one of the details that I missed, or that we all missed by starting um, uh, where we did, is that it kind of seems in the story like Jesus is where he is, and this man comes from a distance because... Like so often we read in the gospel, people have heard about Jesus, so they travel to find him, they seek him out wherever he is. But actually, if you read the paragraph before, um, it's quite revealing that it speaks about Jesus going out into the solitary place, that Jesus is like away from people, that Jesus has already himself traveled to the out of the camp place that this man is living in. And if you see at the end of the story that we read out, it says that exact same thing. Because Jesus was, was um, so famous and people were flocking to him so much that he remained in the solitary place. The story isn't so much of a man like John coming constantly, sticking his head in, saying, oh, I know I can come back in and get sweets, presumably, if Sam says I can come in, coming in, inviting himself in. The story is actually more like... Jesus going to the place that is outside and saying to the man, you are allowed to come back in. I hope he's here. I don't know. Which exit? John, come in, mate. Okay? And there we are. You are well. Okay, you go sit with your family. But I went to John to bring him in. Right, see. Hello. Yeah, cool. I went to John. And that's what we see in the story is that Jesus goes to the outside place. It isn't just someone um, who has a physical problem uh, seeking out a doctor. It is someone who is able to offer a far, far greater solution, going out and seeking that man himself. So my next question is this, so what? So what? That's a nice story, and really it's kind of what we'd expect from Jesus, isn't it? that he's a loving, compassionate, kind guy, that he's powerful. You know, as we go through Mark's gospel, there's basically going to be nothing that we find Jesus not able to do if he wants to. So, it's a good story. He heals someone. He makes them well. He tells them to go back. Uh, Did you notice that in the story? To go back to the temple, right? to the place where the worship and the sacrifice and the presence and the union and the blessing of God. He says, yeah, I'll deal with all of that for you. But what does that mean for us? Why does that matter for us this morning? We might scoff when we read books of the Bible like Leviticus and we read the various things, the various reasons, the various symptoms and afflictions that can cut people off and separate them from God. But the truth is that we are all people who, for our own reasons, live outside the camp. 
We are all people who, left to our own devices, are not suitable to come near to God. That we live outside His blessing. That we live outside relationship with Him. I mean, it's wonderful reading Galatians 4 and seeing that through Jesus that there is adoption that's available, but before adoption there is being far away. There's that state that we all are in, which is outside the camp. It is no relationship with God at all. Cast out as far from life in death. That's a picture, a big picture that the Bible uses to describe our state, that we are all in death. And so this is tremendous news for us this morning, isn't it? If you were here a couple of weeks ago, John kicked off our kind of travels in the book of Uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and Mark's first line is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, this is good news because no matter what condition we find ourselves in, leprous, uh, selfish, prideful, angry, rebellious, you know, all of these things which separate us from God, Jesus has come to us so that we can be brought back in to the camp, that we can be brought back in to the family. This isn't just a story about a lucky guy in in human history who happened to have a disease at the time that there was a man walking around who could cure him. This is a picture for for us all, if you like, of Jesus' entire mission to come outside the camp to us and to bring us back in. I mentioned that we went through the book of Hebrews this time last year. And the conclusion of the book of Hebrews speaks about Jesus in this exact way, Hebrews 13. It's speaking um, about other things from the book of Leviticus. It says this, The high priest carries the blood of the animals into the most high place as a sin offering, but then the bodies are taken and burned outside the camp. Those things which have ritually become unclean, a picture of, our, of the people's sin, they're removed, they're taken away. And this is what the author to the Hebrews writes. And so Jesus also suffered outside to make people holy through his own blood. That is, make people able to come inside through his own blood. So then let us go to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace that he bore. So what? Well, the first so what is this. Whatever you think is separating you from God, Jesus is able, and yes, he is willing to overcome it. He is able, and he is willing to overcome it. If you think in your own strength, in your own merit, in your own physical wellness that you're able to come to God, you're mistaken. But Jesus is able to make you clean, make you acceptable, make you part of the family. But so what number two? So what number two is this, that so far in Mark, we've also seen that when Jesus calls people to follow him, he tells them to do the things that he does. To not just follow him physically, as if, you know, a conga line, where the first person is directing where we're going, but to imitate him. 
to live lives like he lives. So the only conclusion I can draw from this passage and from that picture is that Jesus is calling us who have from the outside been brought in, who are unhealthy, who have been made healthy, who are unclean, who have been made clean through Jesus' coming and fixing us, to be willing to go outside to offer life to people who are otherwise in death. And I just got a couple of um, ideas, suggestions this morning about things that we could personally look into which kind of bring together the physical and the spiritual which Jesus does with this man here. The first is a pretty obvious one, Ammerford Food Bank. Ammerford Food Bank, we celebrated its fifth birthday not so long ago, and it was nice celebrating the fact that people have been fed, people have been helped in emergency situations for five years. But when you think about what happens in the food bank, it really is a picture of people going to the outside and inviting in, isn't it? There are still segments of our society who say to the sorts of people who require emergency help, you've dug this hole for yourself, you get yourself out. You've got leprosy through whatever you've been doing, now you stay outside until you've made yourself clean. There's still people who think like that, isn't there? Or, if you want to kind of make it a little bit more distant, we live in a world that says, well, survival of the fittest. I've got the money, I've got the means, I've got the job security, whatever it is, so yay me, tough luck for you. Just indifference. If you want to have, work harder, be better, whatever it is, I don't know, but I don't care. The food bank is an opportunity for us as God's people, as Christ followers, as people who have, in whatever sense, been outside, been brought near by Jesus, to go outside the camp to the people who society doesn't want to even get close to, let alone touch, and to say, yeah, I'll help you physically, and yes, I'll help you spiritually. I'll share with you the good news about Jesus. I'll invite you along to church. I'll point you towards Christians Against Poverty while you will hear the gospel explained and you will have financial help and freedom there too. Now, I bring up the food bank not just because it's an example, but it's an example of something that seriously needs our help. Lords of you volunteer, and that's fantastic. But the food bank is running seriously low on food at the moment. Demand has gone up ever since it's opened, and giving food-wise hasn't. So they're actually at the point now, I think I'm right in saying, that they've got less food than the Trussell Trust to oversee food banks nationwide require food banks to have to open. If it didn't exist, it wouldn't be allowed to exist in its current state. And yet it is feeding more and more people, more and more families, more and more children than it ever has before. Throw into that the fact that Christmas is always busier than the rest of the year, and that universal credit is being introduced into our area around Christmas time. 
it's an absolutely terrifying prospect of the food bank literally running out of food. Now, it's wonderful that people across Amford, schools do collections, things like that. that. That is wonderful. But as people who have been called by Jesus to follow him, to imitate him, who have been outside and brought near, shouldn't we be the first ones to respond to situations, to go and to say to those whose society would say, fix your own mess? Shouldn't we be the first ones to say, here's some food and here's some living bread? That's one example. Give food to food bank. Another example, another suggestion of how we can respond and how we can imitate Jesus is the um, ministry that we have every Thursday in our church building called Coffee, Cake and Company. Coffee, Cake and Company, for those of you who don't know it, is really essentially about being a place to offer friendship and warmth to people. I don't think it's so much a place where people who have to go all week without coffee or cake finally can get some. I think really it is the company that is the most important thing, where relationships can be built with people who otherwise are on their own, who have been ostracized and alienated. You come along to Coffee Cake, and I think quite proudly for most of us who go there, it's not a normal kind of group of people, is it? We are a little bit odd. We are a little bit kind of like individuals. Certainly not the sort of people who you're going to make arrangements with, naturally, to go out for a coffee to CC Minas on the weekend. These are people who we can be going outside and loving and inviting in. So if you've never been and you're available, come along. Not just for a great coffee and some nice cakes, but to, to, be, to befriend someone, to invite someone along to church, to share with them the story of how Jesus has changed your life. And if you're a Christian and you're already going to Coffee Cake and Company, and you're, you're loving and you're enjoying the, the friendships that you've built there, that's, that's fine. But see it as an opportunity to share your own faith, to invite those on the outside in. Lastly, I want to speak about compassion. Compassion is an organization uh, world that's working worldwide. Um, we celebrate it and we encourage people to be involved with it every single year. Um, and basically, compassion is about people uh, sponsoring children so that they get access to education, to health, to food, and to Jesus. Uh, recently, Compassion got in touch with us um, to ask permission to figure out exactly how people in Ammonford Evangelical Church have been making a difference in lives, in children's lives all around the world. They've sent us through uh, a couple of stats. Um, through Ammonford Evangelical Church, at present, at least 22 children are being kind of impacted by our church, at least. It's probably more than that, because they've only had access to GDPR, all those kinds of rules, to 22 names and addresses from our church of people who are sponsoring. 22 children being supported through our church, at least. If they were here, they would be by far the biggest Sunday school class, for example. 
and it is work that happens all around the world. Through us, there are 13 countries, the map is going to come up, 13 countries around the world, poorest countries where children's lives are being impacted and changed. I think children are so important. As you read through the Gospel of Mark, you'll see that Jesus has a particular emphasis and care for children when people don't. These are the sorts of people who are cast aside, who are cast out, who do not receive the benefits that life has to offer. The next slide shows the breakdown of exactly where we're making an impact. Through our church, there's three children in Burkina Faso being cared for, three in Tanzania, three in Brazil, two in Togo, two in Indonesia, two in Kenya, and seven in seven more individual countries. And it's a two-way thing. Put up the next slide, please, Gabe. It's a two-way thing. Now, compassion will match you up with a child, and, and you will give money monthly um, to support programs and projects, food, healthcare, education, um, Sunday schools, those sorts of things. But it's an opportunity as well to build a relationship, to send letters and to receive letters. Um, Elaine is here. Hands up. She is. Very good. She's going to be standing with me down the front uh, in a little bit. Elaine recently, you might remember, she went to, I want to say Togo. Togo and Ghana. Togo and Ghana to see, to meet her sponsor child and to view uh, things going on. Um, but I've spoken to so many people who, even from a distance, have said that this is a two-way thing. When they receive letters from their compassion child, it encourages them in their faith to know that their child is praying even for them. It can be a two-way thing. Um, next slide says that we're supporting 13 girls, nine boys. Um, but the next one, I think, is, is, is really, I think, exciting. It's got figures there for the number of hours the children have spent in compassion projects because of our support, the number of nutritious meals that have actually been given, the number of medical checks that have been received because of our support, and the number of Bibles that have been given out. I was trying to do the maths uh, this morning. We support 22 kids, and they say that they've given out 24 Bibles. So does that mean two kids lost their Bibles? Or does that mean two kids said, oh, I want one for my mom and dad as well? I don't know. But there you have it. Education, medical care, um, physical food needs, and spiritual input. All because people in our church, even from a distance, even through just how we use our money, are reaching to the outside and inviting people in. Uh, the next couple of slides show uh, how much money has gone out. And just want to show you the, the very uh, last slide with loads of people's faces. No, one more. There you go. Those are the actual children whose lives are being changed by us here. In Ammonford, Clandabia, T. Cross, Penabank, Glanaman, Clanady, wherever it is that you're coming from and supporting from. Like, just think about that. That people, children, who are outside, were coming through our giving and our gifts and our care and our love and our willingness to help them physically, the leprosy, the disease the man had in his body, but also to say, because that's been dealt with, come in, come to the temple, worship God as you, as you might, as you can. I think that's an amazing thing.
So, so what? Story, end of Mark, chapter 1. It's a man cleansed with leprosy. Leprosy isn't just a physical disease. It's being cut off. It's basically being dead because you're outside socially and spiritually from everything. Jesus goes to that man and says, I am willing to fix everything in your life. He says exactly the same to us. Whatever it is that is separating you from God, I am willing, I am able, I have come to put everything right for you. And he says to those of us who have had it put right, so what? Come and follow me. Do the same. Go to the outside. Show love. Invite people in. We hope that you found today's message useful and challenging. And we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now. Why not get in touch with us via email at contact at amfordchurch.com if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss. If you want to know more about what's going on at Amford Church, make sure to like us on Facebook. And lastly, check out our YouTube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts. Thanks for listening.